You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe, alongside from the Washtenaw Citizen, Jake Martin. How you doing this morning, Jake? Boy, I wish something would just happen. Yeah. We need something to talk about. Yeah, big news yesterday. I'm really agitated about it. <laughs> All right, I kid you not. I'm in here. I'm like, man, we got a lot of stuff with this Urban Meyer. I get on my computer. I see that Urban and Phil are going to be Urban on and Phil. Urban and Phil going to be on pay-per-view too? <laughs> Tiger. Legal case. Tiger and Phil, sorry. Tiger and Phil are going to, are going to have this huge matchup that we've been talking about on pay-per-view. Yeah. I bring that up to Aaron and say, hey, you see this? His response, yeah, I'm more pissed off about that than Ohio State. <laughs> what a bunch of baloney. What a money grab. Well, how does this make any sense whatsoever? I love that this is leading off the show and not Urban. So they're going to stick this thing on Friday, November 23rd. And originally we thought, all right, it'd be kind of cool. It'd be during the Thanksgiving weekend. An opportunity to see Tiger and Phil. They'll be mic'd up. You can see the interaction between these two heated rivals. They'll do like a longest drive competition within the 18 holes or closest to the hole, different things like this. This is fantastic. Fantastic! We got millionaires squaring off against each other. They're going to fight it out for ten million dollars. It's not been bumped down to nine million dollars. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be compelling television. I'm all in. I want a piece of it. And then, of course, oh by the way, it's pay per view. Pay per view to watch two millionaires, two guys out of the Forbes prime. listed last year. Uh, Tiger made uh, forty three million dollars. Phil made forty one million dollars. Neither of them won, but they made that kind of money. Tigers listed uh, his net worth somewhere around $760 million. Phil at $325 million. $9 million goes to their pocket. Why not make it for charity? But the thing that ticks me off the most is they expect us to fork over some change to watch them battle it out on the golf course. This is bull. I agree with everything you just said. But I'm not upset about it because I'm like, okay, you're going to make me pay for this when I can watch football for free? No thanks. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, that Friday, that th- that Thanksgiving Friday, there's college football on all day. I know. And then, of course, you got a big high school game that night. I could do without this match play. But I, if I'm a well, hardcore – I can too. If I'm a hardcore golf fan, I would be pretty upset like yeah. you, though. What, what is the need of that? I don't know. And you're not telling me TNT, TBS, somebody would have said, hey, we'll take this. We'll put it on our airwaves. Uh-huh. Trying to make that Agitated. money Irritated. Mayweather. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't see how this succeeds yeah. with the timing of it. Yeah. Mm. Very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there was another big story yesterday. Yes, there was a bigger story yesterday. The news broke that Urban Meyer – has now been suspended for the first three games of the year. So if you had under four games, you are the winner. I had four. He'll be back for Tulane. <laughs> yeah. The big matchup. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the news finally broke, and more importantly, we got Urban's comments on it, which were bad. We'll get to those later. We'll play those for you. thought he handled this press conference very poorly, kind of like how he did the Big Ten media days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had the 23-page uh, summary of the investigation, Yes, the report. What are the biggest takeaways from the report as I calm down? 
As you calm down. All right, so I'll run through a few of these. You can chime in because there are a lot of takeaways. I'm sure you have some as well. And I also want to know 888-993-7762, the Darren Moody State from hotline slash text line. Find out how to save money on home and auto insurance by stopping by and visiting with Darren on 18th Street in Monroe. Obviously, this is a huge national story, and we will spend some time on it this morning. But do you have Urban Meyer fatigue? Do you want us to spend more time on it, less time? Let us know. All right, so let's run through a couple of these things. Um, in the report, Courtney Smith d- denied meeting with Urban Meyer or recanting any of her allegations. Uh, investigators found that it's likely only Zach Smith met with Meyer and that both Urban and Shelly Meyer believed Courtney Smith was not entirely truthful when she called uh, 911. Um, Smith's arrest in 2009, um, that was left out of the conversation when – that took place between Urban and Gene Smith when they were hiring Zach Smith. Urban didn't <clears throat> didn't tell his athletic director or give the full picture of his background. So, therefore, they didn't go looking for any arrest reports. So, uh, that looks better on, on Smith, uh, the AD. Uh, Urban denied knowing about the text messages between Courtney and his wife uh, in 2015. But the independent investigators concluded that given the closeness of their relationship and Shelly's concerns, we believe it is likely that Shelly and Urban Meyer had, a, had at least some communication about these allegations in 2015 and were concerned about them, although both had doubts about the credibility mm. of Courtney's claims. Here, here's where it gets juicy, Aaron. The independent investigators discovered that Urban Meyer had reprimanded Zach Smith in 2014 after he allegedly spent about $600 of his own money at a strip club in Florida during a recruiting trip. But Meyer did not report the incident to Gene Smith or Ohio State's compliance department. I thought he used the school company uh, credit card for that. It says his own money. Uh, this is on ESPN. Uh, so that's what I'm going off of. Um, then, you know, he has the whole Big Ten Media Days fiasco and – uh, Ohio State's chief of football operations, Brian uh, Voltolini, approached Urban Meyer at the practice field and advised him that it was a bad article. And the summary in this report says that both men specifically discussed how to j- adjust the settings on Meyer's phone so that text messages older than one year mm. would be deleted. Mm. Uh, that's not a good look. Mm. And then as they reviewed his phone, uh, he didn't have any text messages beyond a year old. Mm. Um, those are just a few things, and there and there are a lot of others, uh, other stuff in the, in the report. Basically, it, I kind of agree with. Let's get into this. Okay, there was a couple of things that really stood out. Obviously, Urban Meyer did not prepare very well for this press conference. He certainly did not come across as apologetic or remorseful. He could not fake it very well. He, it's once again the Urban Meyer way. He thinks he's smarter, wiser than everybody else. Can't, comes across as I'm above this fray, when he's, which he's not. Now you argue with me that that's just Urban Meyer. He can't fake it. Uh, n- no, I. So I, I could, I could see that when he was talking because I'm like that too. I'm a bad liar. I can't fake that I'm into something when I'm not. The most telling question somebody asked him: What message do you have, have for Courtney, Courtney, Courtney Smith? Smith? And he said, "Sorry, we are involved in this situation. Sorry, we got involved in this situation." 
Obviously, he thinks Courtney Smith is a nutbag. He, he thinks doesn't she's want a liar. To get, he doesn't want to give her any credence. He, he thinks she's a liar. He blames her for this whole situation. And and this is just this is me speculating. This is just me watching his his press conference. He's it's almost like he has a vendetta against her. Like I can't believe you put me in this situation. I'm not going to express any type of sympathy for you. Mm-hmm. He could he what he should have done, Aaron. Even if he doesn't feel that way, he should have practiced that a thousand times mm. and tried to say it, tried to express concern. That was a horrible look mm-hmm. for him. That's not Urban Meyer, though. Yeah, and it came off his tone deaf. Yeah. The whole thing. John says tired of hearing about Urban Meyer and his trailer park stuff or staff <laughs> stuff too. Staff's pretty good. <laughs> Another one. Urban probably should have been shown the door, but we all saw this coming. I'm not surprised in the least. I think uh, that is correct. But, you know, if you're Ohio State right now, you literally sold your soul. And uh, karma is a blank. Urban Meyer's not 6-0 and versus Michigan. Urban Meyer, if he's Ed Orgeron. If Urban Meyer's not, if he's anybody else besides Nick Saban in the sure. entire country. If Urban Meyer doesn't have a $7 million contract and how they figure out a way to finagle their way well, out of that in the buyout. Yeah, and I'll also say this. It doesn't help Urban's case that, we know what we know about Florida, right? He, we, we've known about Urban Meyer for a long time. So when this story broke, it didn't shock any of us. And then now that you've got all these other uh, findings coming out, Sam says he came off as a smug, arrogant uh, blank <laughs> who was angry that he was having to go through it uh-huh. as if what happened to the woman meant nothing. Yeah, that's basically what I just said, Sam. That's how it came off. So now he gets uh, suspended without pay till what, uh, September 2nd. He's going to lose a little bit chunk of change. He's going to miss the first three games. He'll be back for Tulane. You look at the three games he's going to miss. Uh, ESPN has Oregon State projected to go 2-10, and 10, Rutgers 4-6. and six. ESPN has TCU projected at 7-5, and five, which is way off base, but that's another story. <laughs> He'll come back for Tulane and then ultimately, of course, the game against Penn State. Yeah, one more quick thing I wanted to note. Uh, there was a text from Shelley to Urban. Uh, saying that she was scared of what Zach would do after Urban fired him. And I think that tells you all you need to know about Zach Smith. Is there a difference between lying and deliberately lying? Is there a difference between lying and deliberately lying? No. A lie is a lie. They're saying he didn't deliberately lie. I know. That, that's what was in the report. Um Whatever it, it it just comes off as so uh, shady. Yeah. The whole thing oh, is yeah. just so shady. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we can move on. Is it really over though? Well, it's gonna haunt Urban. There's no doubt about that. But I'm saying I'm glad we can, we finally know how many games he's missing. We can kind of concentrate on the football aspect of it. But uh, do you think this hurts his overall legacy? Yes. But got, how, how how much? Uh, quite a bit. And we'll get into some Urban Meyer uh, soundbites later in the show. We're not going to devote the entire show to it, but obviously this is a huge national storyline. We buried the lead, though, the Coach O show last night. <laughs> Jake was all in. I was excited about it. I was like, I want to hear what you know the LSU fans are going to ask him. Not really. You never really tune in to hear what O is going to say. Yeah. You want to hear how people were going to phrase some of these questions after a uh, turbulent offseason. And all my, snowballs. All right? snowball. All softball. Softball. Snowballs too. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Snowed over Both. by Coach O. Um, yeah, and <laughs> you text me uh, at like 
45 minutes into the show, you text me national champs. Well, it, literally everybody on the roster has had it, just an incredible summer and fall camp, <laughs> except for the two guys that are suspended and the two guys that transferred out. <laughs> yeah. So but besides that, everybody looks like they could probably be first round NFL picks. Uh, that's the way it sounded. <laughs> um, so yeah, not not a ton coming from that last night. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, we'll have some info from that. Nope, nothing. Uh, it is Thursday, right? It is. Top 10 Thursday. It is top 10 Thursday. We are going to be going through the top 10 NFL storylines of the season. And there are so many that Aaron wanted 32. Yeah. He wanted one for every single team. We should have thought of this idea in June. Well, (laughs) when we needed it. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it today. All right. So, you got the text line 888-993-7762 or give us a call. We want to know. A, what you think of this urban situation? Do you want us to continue talking about this urban situation? Or B, what is the biggest NFL storyline of the 2018 season? Let us know. This is your show. We will talk about what you want us to talk about. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Certainly look forward to the Jamborees this weekend out at ULM and Grambling. The Bayou Jam is going to recognize the Lifetime Achievement Award goes to Joey Pender and Vic Dalrymple. Joey Pender will join us in the next segment. Vic Dalrymple is in the mountains of West Virginia or the hills of West Virginia. He may join us at some point throughout this show. No promises. Tommy McClellan, we can promise he will join us at 8 o'clock to discuss Louisiana Tech Athletics. And then Brian Lowe from the Eddie Robinson Classic will join us at 8.45. Ben says, this crap better be over. I'm ready for football. <laughs> this is William says, I like what Devin White said about holding everybody accountable. Did you like that, Aaron? We do have that soundbite coming up later in the show. Aaron's we will got, not drag uh, Devin White's history into this conversation. Aaron's got some opinions about that. He was pretty fired up about that. Uh, yesterday was an eventful day. I nearly uh, slept through the radio show, and then I go to work and I get caught lost in time. Uh, sitting at my desk at literally 617 in a polo and a pair of shorts, and somebody knocks on the door and says, Hey, you know what time it is, don't you? I said, No, 617. They were in the middle of weather. So, how fast did you uh, put that suit quick. on? Pretty darn quick. Barely made it in the nick of time. That has never happened through all did these Did you years. make it to the pants? Did you just <laughs> yes. go, okay. Well, with the new set, the pants would be required. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I knew that because I watch it every yeah. day. Yeah. Three weeks ago, that wouldn't have been the case. <laughs> oh, boy. So, we're starting off better today than we were yesterday. That's right. You were here early this morning. 888-993-7762. Thanks for joining us on the morning drive. We're back with Joey Pender after the break. We are looking forward to a fantastic weekend of high school football with jamborees across northeast Louisiana. Of course, a big one out at Malone Stadium with the Bayou Jam. They do a couple things that are fantastic. One of them, honoring people that have made a big impact in football across northeast Louisiana. This year, uh, two great honorees in uh, Vic Dalrymple and Joey Pender. Joey Pender joins us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great, Aaron. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, congratulations on this honor. Uh, Well-deserved. When I was writing up the script on the TV side, I said Vic Dalrymple, Oak Grove legend, and Northeast Louisiana favorite Joey Pender, just because of the fact, you know, Rustin, Jonesboro Hodge, Winfield, West Washita, you spent time at all of those schools. What is this like to kind of be honored with your buddy, Vic? 
Well, I can tell you, uh, when I got the call from Patty Thurman that uh, me and Vic was going to be honored together, I felt uh, real real good about it because me and Vic been friends for a very long time. And But when your coaches, uh, your peers vote on it, and that's who picked it, uh, that really makes you uh, feel really good. Back in the day, it was certainly a highlight to hear you and uh, Vic go back and forth at these Bayou Jam pressers. Who do you say ultimately gets the best of each other in these uh, verbal jabs? Well, you know, and that's the thing about Vic is older than I am. And uh, somehow every year it seemed like he got the microphone last. (laughs) So uh, I was trying to figure out who he had a connection with to get that done. And, you know, just the other day when we had the press conference, uh, Ryan Gregory, the coach there now, he comes behind me. So, I, I don't think I can ever get ahead of those boys from Oak Grove. Uh, they got your number. Uh, being a part of the Bayou Jam for a number of years, how uh, important, how great is this for the community? Oh, well, I can tell you that's one of the biggest things. Uh, this thing started 10 years ago. I was involved in it then, and I've seen it grow and grow. And Patty Thurman, I mean, caps off to her. What a job she does uh, getting all this to pulled together. And all the folks that are involved in it, uh, it's a tremendous thing for high school football, especially for northeast Louisiana. Joey, let's take a little walk down memory lane. At what point in your high school or college career did you know that uh, this is what you wanted to do, be a high school football coach? Well, when I was playing at Louisiana Tech, I had two coaches that really influenced my life, uh, E.J. Lewis and Mickey Slaughter. when I signed out of high school from Oakdale, Louisiana, went up there, they kind of give me a lot of guidance, you know, on how to handle people and how to deal with folks. And, uh, you know, and then once you get involved in coaching, I, I don't think, honestly, Aaron, I've ever went to day of work in my life. I love what I did uh, and associations you develop with kids and uh, coaches. I mean, this, uh, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, some of the proudest moments I ever had is when a, a player would come back to the to introduce me to his wife and kids, and uh, that's that's always makes you feel good when they want to come back and see you. We had a Terrence Blankenship on the show yesterday, and he discussed how your style changed throughout the years. Did you find yourself mellowing out a little bit as the years went on? Well, you know, some of the <laughs> some of the players, especially the early players, say I was a little rough back in those days. I don't remember that. You know, uh, some of those guys, they think uh, they think you know, I was harder on them than I was later. But I can tell you, it's getting harder to coach now. You know, the mm-hmm. the players have got so many things they got, all the video stuff and all the toys and stuff they have. You know, when I was growing up, it was play football or haul hay. That was your two options. So uh, I would a lot rather play football than hauling hay all day long. So, mm-hmm. uh but they got a lot more options now, and it's a lot harder to coach. And, uh, you know, guys like me and Vic with old disciplined guys and hard, you know, hard make sure they become good citizens and they're going to act right in the classroom. And when you stop at a McDonald's, you don't have to worry about how your players are going to act because you know, you know. So those those things have really changed for us, uh, the coaching end of it. And, uh and, you know, right now I, I get calls almost every day, people looking for coaches because they're getting harder to find. 
Joey Pender joins us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Coach, you had a number of great teams throughout your uh, 33 years in the biz. The 1989 squad from Jonesboro Hodge, how good were they, and did you know right from the get-go that that was a championship-caliber squad? Well, there was no doubt. I mean, there were some great players on that team. I had a big uh, lineman named Purvis Hunt. He played offensive guard for me and ended up playing for the Houston Texans. And uh, had another guard named Jay Watson. What a player he was. I mean, both of them were all-state guys. Had an all-state running back named Norman Bradford and an all-state quarterback named Taiwan Hayes. But that was a special group. It was 13 of those young men and uh they they really uh, were great leaders on the football field, and what a pleasure to coach them, and what a pleasure to see them around uh, even today. Did you appreciate that championship? Did you understand how hard it was to win one? Well, I was 27 years old, and uh, I got back to the Dome another year, uh, and I didn't realize at that time how hard it was. Uh it's extremely hard to get there. And, of course, back then we wasn't split. You know, everybody played together, and uh, which I wish we were all still back together today. Uh, I'm really not big on this split. I think it kind of waters a lot of things down. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's hard. Things got to fall into place. And, you know, I know uh, the boys at Oak Grove, they've been beat the last three years, I think, in the semifinals. Things just hadn't bounced their way, and, you know, it's got to bounce your way in one of them playoff games, you know, because it's going to be nip and tuck. No one probably knows the history of Northeast Louisiana football better than you. Uh, best player or best athlete that you coached, and then perhaps the best player athlete that you coached against? The best player I ever coached was a running back named Norman Bradford. Uh, mm-hmm. Norman uh, was about six two and a half, two hundred twenty five 225 pounds was 4-4 in the 40. He's the kind of guy late in the ball game, Aaron, you didn't uh, – that's the part, you know, when the game's on the line, you quit thinking about plays and you start thinking about players. And uh, you want that player, the ball in his hand. And Norman was that kind of guy. He would always uh, – he would always answer the bell. I can give you a story. One time we were up at Spring Hill and we playing them in the quarterfinals. And a year before, we beat them on an inadvertent whistle. And we went into overtime and beat them. The next year, we were in the dressing room, and we'd done our pregame warm-up, and it was quiet. You could hear a rat teething on cotton in there. It was so quiet. And uh, and my quarterback told Norman, he said, Horse, are you ready to go? And he said, Saddle up. And I said, I said, here we go. Get on the horse, baby. We can ride. And, you know, he had a great night, 200, almost 300 yards rushing against Spring Hill. And, of course, that's one of the years we won it at Jonesboro High. You fed Bradford the ball, what, probably 25, 30 carries that day at least? No, uh, 26. 26. After, after 26. That's the most he ever carried it in one game. Best player athlete you went up against? Well, there were several of them. Uh, one of them was Charles Scott from Jonesboro Hodge. I was the head coach at Winfield when he was a running back at Jonesboro Hodge. And another one was Anthony Thomas from Winfield. I was coaching at West Washington when when he came and played us. Uh, what a player he was. So those two really stand out in my mind how physical runners they were. What do you think separates Northeast Louisiana high school football perhaps from others in the state? 
Well, I can tell you, real simple, people up here absolutely love high school football, and uh, and I do too. I mean, I'm no different than the average Joe. I mean, high school football is so exciting up here, so competitive, you know, on all levels, from single A all the way to 5A. You know, you've got some knockdown dragouts every weekend. Uh, it keeps you on the edge of your seat, and uh, and it's great for our communities. It's great for our schools. You know, it's to me the if a football team and the program's going well, the school's going to go well. So um, everybody gets involved in high school football. Joey, when we had Coach Blankenship on yesterday, we asked him, could anybody on the team outlift you or outbench press you? And he said, no. Uh, that probably doesn't bode well for some of the teams throughout the years. At what point did the kids start catching up with you? Well, well, I had a, I had a young man named George Jones. George uh, was a kid that came after Terrence and him, and uh, George was a monster. Uh, in fact, he benched uh, over 600 pounds. But he was absolutely putting in a cloud on the football field. He wasn't aggressive. Uh, I think I could tape an egg to his helmet. It never would have cracked. Uh, but he looked like he would kill you. So yeah, it was probably six or seven years after Terrence played when George passed me up, and he passed me up pretty good, I might want to add. So you just have George get off the bus first or perhaps go at the 50-yard line for the coin flip. There's no doubt. That was his role. He would get off the bus first, wearing a medium shirt, walk right across the middle of the field, and go straight to the water cooler. Uh, we got a number of texts here. You can continue this up at 888-993-7762. Gary wants to know, he knows you're an accomplished fisherman. Uh, how many days do you log on Canning Lake during the sp- spring? Well, from about May the 10th to the state track meet, I fish at least six days a week, maybe seven. So I fish a lot of time in the spring. I fish really hard. I'm a Sacolade fisherman, white purse, and also a chinkapin guy. And uh, I fish a lot during those times. But after after Mayfield, somewhere in that category, I, I shift over and start playing golf. And the old saying about being a fisherman and a golfer, you're not good at either one, that's probably me. I, I, but I like doing both. Uh, your long game, your your drive, or is it, I guess that's the best part of your golf game? Yeah, uh, you know, in the short game, the hardest thing about uh, golf, you know, I play with a bunch of guys from Jonesboro, and uh, the thing about all of us playing together, uh, we think we're pretty good until somebody comes that's really good and plays with us, and then kind of puts us all back in our place where we belong. All right, ironically, throughout your career, you tried to avoid the LHSA, and now you're part of their team. How does that happen? Well, I guess working through the years, I've worked at state track meet for about 15, 18 years, and uh, when Eddie Bonine come on board, he, he was talking to me one time down there and asked me would I be interested in becoming a compliance officer and an investigator for him. I said, yeah. He said, well, when you retire, I'm going to look you up, and uh, I retired August 8th, and I went to work August the 9th for the High School Athletic Association, and I really enjoy that. I, 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 it keeps you in contact with the coaches, and, you know, 90, 95% of the coaches and schools do everything right. You know, there's a few of them out there that's kind of sneaky and you got to kind of watch out for, but most of them, and I think most football coaches 
are good people. I think they got good hearts, and I and I think most coaches have got general good welfare for the kids and want to see them to be successful in life. So when coaches see your name on there and they know what you're doing now, they're still not running away from your call. Oh well, sometimes Aaron, when I walk in, it looks like uh, they just swallowed a cat. Uh, you know, some of some of them are have guilty written right across their forehead. There's a blinking light going off. Hey, Coach Pinto, what are you doing here? What 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 you doing here? What what you checking? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna be there a while because I'm gonna have to dig and find something, but. Uh, <laughs> but most of them will do it the right way. It, it, a loaded question here. Do you think there's more recruiting, more cheating going on now than there has been in the past? Or when we had Eddie Bonine on, he said, well, you have like nine investigators across the state. Well, I think we're starting to get better at it. Uh, I mean, for, you know, I'm going to tell you, Eddie Bonine, since I've been on board, he has backed me 100% on every situation that I've been involved in. Uh, and the penalties are getting pretty stiff on some of these schools that are getting caught doing the recruiting. And, you know, it didn't happen overnight, and it's not going to get cleared up overnight. But uh, I do think we're making progress in the – and I, I I really don't know. Uh, I think early on some of the schools uh, maybe recruited a little more. I think some of them now are getting a little nervous about what's going to happen to them if they get caught. Joey Pender, congratulations on the honor. We look forward to seeing you out at the, the Bayou Jam all weekend long. It should be a great event with you, of course, and Vic Dalrymple being honored. A couple jabs and no going, uh, being thrown both ways. Uh, it should be a fun weekend. Appreciate the time, bud. All right. Thank you, Aaron. You bet. Joey Pender, great stuff there. you got to love uh, Joey Pender, first of all. Um, secondly, he reminded me of when I played. We had a kid just like what he described. Aaron, he looked like Adrian Peterson, but he could not play football. It, it, it was the most baffling, like ran a 4-4, could out bench press everybody, could outlift everybody, just could not play football. It was the most baffling thing I've ever seen. Pudding on a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, I could listen to him tell stories all day, though. I'm telling you, it's gold, though. You put him and Dalrymple together yeah. and watch them go back and forth. I'm telling you, it would be a magnificent interview. Uh, Vic, of course, is in uh, West Virginia. He'll be making his way back to be a part of the festivities uh, this weekend. We certainly look forward to catching up with uh, Coach Dalrymple. We're making an effort to actually get him on the show either today or tomorrow. He is at work. He will be making his way back, so perhaps that will happen over the next two days. Good deal. Good deal. 888-993-7762. You can join the conversation. It is Top Ten Thursday, the biggest and best storylines heading into the NFL football season. We're back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. We'll dive back into the biggest travesty of yesterday, that being, of course, Tiger and Phil going pay-per-view in the next segment. Also, obviously, what's taking place with the Urban Meyer situation at Ohio State. But it is Thursday, so that means what, Jake? Top 10 Thursday. The last Top 10 Thursday. Well, what's going on next week? Well, I mean, we got to break down the football games, high oh. school football. Oh, we're doing top ten uh, high school games. Is that what we did last year? Yep, yep, yep. I w- you want to bring it back? Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it, too. Uh, we're also going to make some tweaks to the Elite 11. We might trim it down some. What are you saying? There's not 11 players in Northeast Louisiana no, every week to showcase just, the spotlight? I'm not saying that. I'm kind of torn about that, Aaron, because – Part of me is like it kind of promotes individualism. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Aaron Days, yeah. <laughs> Who are you? I knew you'd be on board with that. 
The other part of me is, yeah, we do want to promote these athletes. Yeah. Why not? Why don't we do like three a week? Three is gonna be like a three-minute segment. Why don't we leave it up to the people? Because then you're gonna be. I don't. Know. I think Elite Eleven was solid last year. Why are you gonna fix something that's not broke? Do you want the return this of the This is quite an editorial meeting here. Just, over there. just do them up. both. Let's, huh? Do them both. Aaron, you did the work on Elite 11, then. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do all the research on the stats. Make it later in the week, then. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's get Thank on. Thank you, Tabor, for weighing in. Get on track here. Top 10 Thursday, top NFL storylines in the 2018 football season. I'm sure you have a lot of honorable. I uh, have nothing related to the protests. Me neither. Uh, the helmet rule, which is probably going to be a pretty big storyline. I kept it all on the field. Well, I kept it all within the organizations. How about that? Uh, literally going through this, you start jotting things down. You're like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. What about this team? What about this franchise? Literally, we could have had 32 of these. Mm-hmm. But we settled for 10. Honorable mention for me, I just have to look at the Rams and at Sean McVay. Boy wonder, can he continue this thing going on? The Rams go from being the hunter to the hunted, and, of course, now they have a first-place schedule. Can they have as much success as they had last year? I like it. I actually didn't talk about any honorable mentions. I, I, I always forget to do that because you always have them. Yeah, I know. Um, for me, Just I guess— Just one reason why my list is always better than yours. It's never better than mine. Um, but I, I will kind of piggyback off of that with the Jaguars. They didn't make my top ten, but I'm very curious to see how they— do this season because you can look at last last year in two different ways. A, were they lucky to get the, to the ASC championship game? Or B, they almost knocked off the Patriots. They could have been in the Super Bowl. Very well could have been in the Super Bowl. So what what's it going to be this year? I feel like they've improved their running game. You know, they've added some, some, some players on the offensive line. Of course, you got Leonard Fournette coming back. He seems to be healthier than he was last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how they – uh, do this season. Wow, Richie with a great suggestion here. Aaron can have his aces. We need Martin's Monstars. Oh, wow. that is great. Thank you, Richie. That is fantastic. Wow, we might have to rename the segment. <laughs> Martin's Monstars. Wow. That's pretty dang good. I think we deserve a t-shirt. <laughs> you want to sell them? All right, at number 10, what are you going with? Number 10. And this is low on the list, but this is a stat. Carson Wentz comeback. Mm. That is my number 10 storyline mm. of the year. The NFL had a serious injury problem last year, especially at quarterback. But Carson Wentz might have been the most interesting because he was going to win the MVP before that injury. And then, of course, he gets replaced with Nick Foles, and he goes on to win the Super Bowl with the team. So I think we've, we've talked about this a lot just because Nick Foles has kind of battled some preseason injuries. Uh, so far, Carson Wentz, they're, they're, they're not rushing him back in there because they have a player like Foles who they can turn to. So when they eventually do turn to Wentz, is he the same player as he was a year ago? Hmm. That's my number 10 story. I'll pass. That may come up on my list later on. I figured it would. At number 10, I will go for a storyline that we've talked about extensively, that being the Giants. You're not a big fan of Eli. You think his best days are behind him. I see the reemergence of the Giants, or perhaps the potential. You throw in offensively, they're going to be so much fun to watch with Barkley. By the way, Barkley returned to practice. He looks like he's going to be ready to go for opening week. You throw in Odell. It's going to be so many different storylines. Now, if this thing does go south, 
it's going to be fun to watch a sinking ship also. Okay, here I go correcting you again. I am a fan of Eli. Off the field, you just think on the field, he's washed up. I don't think he has it anymore. Yeah. Washed I, up. I know. Exactly. I know. What I just said. So I will agree with that. But you make it sound like I just got it out for the no, guy. Like You're a big Newman fan. <laughs> yeah, big Newman fan. Uh, so because of that, I don't expect the Giants to do much this year. I don't think that deserves top ten, to be honest with you. All right. Well, that's your opinion. At number nine. Minnesota. Will they take a step backward? This is why I asked this. Um I disagree with Colin Cowherd a lot on many things, but I always try to listen to him because I've always said this. I think he's the best in the business. I think it's awesome that we have him locally every day. I think that's great. I always try to listen to him when I can. That said, something he said frequently is he believes Minnesota takes a big step back this year because the defense isn't healthy. Uh, They changed coordinators, and Aaron Rodgers is back. Those are excellent points, and it's made me kind of really think about Minnesota's positioning this year because on the surface, I look at Minnesota and I think, yeah, they have to be a contender. I feel like they've upgraded a quarterback. They've returned that de- that excellent defense. I-, I thought for the majority of the year they were the best team. You know, you could, you could make that argument. Um, so I was like, yeah, with the upgraded quarterback, they're bound to at least compete for another Super Bowl. But those questions, those 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 points that Colin Cowherd made have made me second-guess and go, you know what, maybe they do take a big step backwards this year. So I think Minnesota and how they progress, or evolve or devolve this year, uh, I think that's an intriguing storyline. Shane C. with a great uh, ID here on the Darren Moody State Pharma text line. Aaron's Aces and Jake's Jokers. Yeah, I shine the spotlight on the positive things in the sports world, and then you could find the couple knuckleheads, and we could do a segment behind Who, that. Wait, who's more negative, me or you? <laughs> I think you're way more negative than I am. That's just because I have more years of it. I Life probably. is beating me down a little bit. You're just a bitter old man. <laughs> yes, that That's right. It. At number nine, I got uh, Jason Garrett. Is this his last go in Big D? Also along that with uh, Dak Prescott. Obviously, he's going to be forced to play a bigger role. Does he have the supporting cast at the receiving core to have enough to succeed? Can they be one-dimensional? Can they just lean on Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line, of course, to win some ball games? I'm punning on that one because Dak is further along in my list. All right, at number eight, the Browns' improvement. Hmm. They made my list. No, they're not going to compete for an AFC title, and heck, they're more than likely not going to make the playoffs. We all know this. But I think there's a buzz around Cleveland because of their offseason pickups and the assortment of their personalities. I think Hard Knocks has you know, shined a light on that, and I think it's done it quite brilliantly. Uh, so let's see how this season plays out for the Browns. If they can somehow sniff a 500 record, I think that would be a, a feel-good story. Yeah. After, one, one win in two years. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a big storyline. I don't think it's a huge storyline. At number eight, I have a Dr. Saul Graves and Dr. Count's favorite quarterback, Andrew Luck. <laughs> of course, him coming back, what kind of impact can he make? He's got a new coach in Frank Wright. Could this be the Andrew Luck that, of course, burst out of college and looked like the next great quarterback in the NFL? I think he had three straight uh, all-pro uh, seasons, and then, of course, the injuries kind of crept in. Andrew Luck is my number eight storyline for the NFL football season. Do you want to punt here? Do you want to continue? Let's do one more. Let's get to seven. All right. Well, my seven was Andrew Luck as well, right. but I included Deshaun Watson. I, I said both of those quarterbacks helped because – That's cheating. Well, eh, yeah, okay. But they share number seven because 
Well, they're different, too. Luck is much more of a can he complete the year and perform somewhat admirably, whereas Deshaun Watson is more of, okay, let's see if this kid can truly be special. Like, he was on fire before he got injured last year. The last thing we want to see is another RG3 scenario repeat itself. So I don't see that happening because of the head that rests on Watson's shoulders, but I think both storylines are interesting because both quarterbacks returned from injury, and they're, they're both special in their own right. Number seven, you've already mentioned it, are the Browns worth watching? Can they win a few games? How fired up were you this morning when, of course, you pointed out Thursday night football, we've got yeah, Cleveland. Tonight, and yeah. Now, just because of hard knocks mm-hmm. and the other storylines that they've been forced upon us, all of a sudden Cleveland is a storyline or a team that we're actually excited about watching or seeing in prime time. Mm-hmm. And, and perfect timing. Richie says, my wife was on the fence about hard knocks until they highlighted the offensive line coach and the office dog in episode three. She's now a Browns fan. The offensive line coach, did you see? I just saw the little <laughs> uh, the little clip, of course, when he's... He says hut and his belly moves every time. <laughs> every time he says hut, his belly moves. It's great. If you haven't seen it, it's on Twitter. It's all over social media. It will put a smile on your face. Who is that guy? I forgot his name. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, look it up. Just look up Brown's offensive line coach. Mm. There's uh, We got all the way down to number seven, top ten storylines for the upcoming NFL football season. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? We'll complete the list in the 8 o'clock hour. 888-993-7762. It's the Darren Moody State from Hotline slash Text Line. Find out how to save money on home and auto insurance by stopping by and visiting with Darren on 18th Street in Monroe. He is a huge, and I do mean huge, football fan. High school, college, NFL. He'd love to discuss insurance and, of course, football with you. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, I guess we'll go back to Ohio State. Urban Meyer. <laughs> we'll read between the lines with a couple of his sound bites. Yeah, it was not a good day for Urban Meyer. 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Uh-oh. Uh, 47 minutes into the show, for being the home of the Houston Astros, the headquarters, we are dropping the ball. Air on Jake. Uh, Houston won yesterday 10-7. to They jumped out to an 8-1 to lead. Don't know who they won't beat, but a big win for the Strokes. Huge win. Mariners. Okay. They beat the yes. Mariners. Yes. <laughs> I knew that. This is the information you can only get from the morning drive. And we are dedicated. And to the Astros' information is getting uh, less and less as every day goes by. Well, as we get closer to the football season, pretty soon you'll notice that it just won't be here. <laughs> and uh, we're going to apologize in advance of that. We still got to squeeze in ten seconds. I don't know. Those are they win another World Championship. We got to say we were on board from April. Ten precious seconds. I don't know. All right. Um, real quick, we're still getting more texts about the the Browns' offensive line coach. Uh, I forgot about this, too. His views on stretching and soldiers in war was pretty spot on as well. Aaron, on the show, he was talking about how the, we've won two world wars by just doing jumping jacks and push-ups. I thought that was hilarious. He was like, what's up with all this stretching? <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife that. <laughs> She's always complaining. Hey, you need to stretch a little bit after bench pressing. You think He's like, you think when we hit the sand that we were trying to stretch? Heck no. <laughs> Gary says, I just took the hut challenge, and my belly moves, too, so don't laugh just yet. Both of you try it and see if your belly moves. <laughs> Getting closer to accomplishing <laughs> that goal. That's why we work out, Gary. <laughs> All 
All right, uh, let's get into a little bit of the headlines again. Uh, this is the storyline you're going to continue to hear for the rest of the day and probably for the course of the next three weeks. But it's obviously a story that we need to address again. The fact that uh, Urban Meyer, the uh, penalties have come down on Meyer. Wife uh, did not hear the news last night, and she wakes up this morning. She goes, what happened to Urban Meyer? Mm-hmm. I said three games. Yeah. I think it's what every, all of us anticipated. I thought it would be four games. He ultimately gets three. But what I thought that we'd see different is – Urban Myers literally had a chance on this suspension that he's already served some of it. He's been a, had a chance well, to kind of form his thoughts and to hire like the best uh, public relations writer out there and to come up with a speech or something when you go up to the podium that you would hit it out of the ballpark. And he literally whiffed yesterday. He did. And, and but to go back to the four, the, the three games, and while we thought it was four, that's been in our head just because of the NFL policy. Right, four games is kind of just what you automatically go to. And then, you know, I, I feel like Ohio State was discussing that as well, but Urban Meyer brings up the fact that, well, I've had to serve all this time already yeah. and my name's being thrown through the muck. And I think that's why he was able to just get three games. All right, let's hear a little bit from uh, Urban Meyer. This is a portion of his press conference. Tell me if you hear an apologetic or remorseful man from this clip. I'm fully aware that I'm ultimately responsible for the situation that has harmed the university as a whole and our department of athletics and our football program. I want to apologize to Buckeye Nation. I followed my heart, not my head. I fell short in pursuing full information because at each juncture, I gave Zach Smith the benefit of the doubt. And I am sorry for that. I did a poor job at Media Day. It's a big reason why we're here today. I was not being as complete and as accurate as I should have been at media day and afterward. But there is no intent to mislead. My role is to set a good example. In this instant, I did not live up to the university's standards. The suspensions are tough, but I fully accept them. I wish I could go back and make the different decisions, but I can't. These difficult lessons are a constant reminder of the duties and obligations that I have as a member of this university and this community. I believe he apologized to Buckeye Nation three times. That's a shorter version of the clip from the press conference yesterday. He apologized to Courtney Smith. Zero. A whopping zero. In fact, he was asked, uh, what message do you have for Courtney Smith? Sorry, we are involved in this situation. Mm-hmm. And then he kept talking, and he basically said the same yeah. thing again. Yeah. That was a question he probably should have been ready for. Oh, man. Like, like listen, I get it. You don't like this woman. Yeah. You, you don't believe her. You, you you feel like she's tarnished your legacy. or, or But your wife must it. have believed her in some form or fashion, continue to have an open dialogue well, with her. Well, and they tried to – the investigation keeps saying that both Urban and Shelley didn't fully believe her, but, of course, you've got those text messages. If you don't believe her, then why do you continue to reach out to her? Exactly, A. And then, B, if you don't believe her, why did you text Urban after he fired Zach Smith and said, I'm worried, I'm scared of him? So that's that's why I brought that up to begin with, the fact that that tells you all you need to know about both Zach Smith and how they actually – or how much they know about him. Uh, that said – that, that leads into perfect. Uh, somebody asked Urban Meyer – this was after his written statement. He was sta- sitting up at the podium, and somebody asked him, what do you know about the character of Zach Smith? Well, most of what I know about Zach Smith is work-related. And I've, uh, throughout my career, I've taken an approach when I see someone in distress or someone struggling, I seek to get counsel and help for that person. 
And uh, the biggest regret, I wish I would know more. If I would know more, I would take action much quicker. Now that's bold. That is baloney. Yeah. I mean, literally, the, the kid was on, uh, he was a, a player for him at one point. Then he brings him on as a graduate assistant. And literally, the kid has been riding his coattails for how many years now? Yeah, over a decade. And he just knew him on a professional level. This wasn't a personal level. That's bold. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. And, and and to go back, I mean, it, it's one of those things where he needed, I, I got to go back to the Courtney Smith thing. He needed to apologize to her. Whether he meant it or not, he needed to say that. Because today, every talk show is talking about that apology or non-apology, whatever you want to call it. That is, is, was the biggest misstep of this whole thing. And I get it, whether it's ego, pride, just straight-up hatred, I don't know. It prevented him from, from doing that, but he should have practiced that a thousand times mm-hmm. and said it. And I understand the relationship and, of course, what Irvin Meyer thinks of uh, Earl Bruce and, of yeah. course, that being Earl Bruce's grandson. But eventually, at some point, hey, you got to cut ties. Yes, especially when you find out all the different things. That's, yeah. It wasn't just the, the wife issues, man. It, it went inside your organization. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the $600 at the strip club and uh, all the – other stuff he's done as far as um you know graphic material on on university uh, tablets or phones i mean come on man if you're into this sort of thing urban meyer this year will make 7.6 million dollars so he was on administrative leave for uh, three weeks during this investigation during that time darren Ravel he did the math urban meyer made four hundred thirty seven thousand two hundred sixty dollars sitting at home sweating it out now what he'll lose over the course of what the next 14 days two hundred ninety one thousand dollars and five hundred and seven but i'd say he lost a lot more than that just in his legacy and of course his reputation well that's what i was trying to think of today is how much does this affect his legacy like 10 years from now will we talk about this in depth will this be a big deal because he's going to win a lot more football games he's still going to be one of the best coaches in college football when we when he's nearing the end of his his career, is this a is this a big speed bump? Like I think I think it's something that will be mentioned, but I think I don't know. Part of me feels like we'll mention it and then it will move on very quickly. Ohio State fans are gonna not care less if he just continues to beat Michigan. Exactly, he continues to have him as, as a national contender year in and year out. We've seen it in sports in all sports. All you got to do is win, and people forget quickly. People forgot about Kobe quickly. All right, I promise that's the last time we'll talk about Urban Meyer today. You'll hear about it for the rest of the day on Sports Talk 97. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Louisiana Tech's Athletic Director Tommy McClellan joins us. If you have a question or a comment for him, hit us up on the Darren Moody State from hotline slash text line, 888-993-7762. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.